Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Triathlon Science. Today's episode, as always, is sponsored by Tri-Mechanics Coaching. If you are interested in running, cycling or triathlon coaching, please get in touch via the email address in the show notes. And our sponsor as well is Black Cat Coffee. I am drinking something very interesting at the moment from Black Cat Coffee. It is something called the Mayanar, or a bean called the Mayanar, which I believe is from China. And it's a really strange taste and flavour through milk in that it has this kind of whiny, grapey, um, kind of fermented flavour. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating for your palate. Um, but also it's kind of something that you probably would think about it and look at it and think that that was not something or not a flavour that you may would like, maybe would like through coffee or in a filter. I'm having it as a small flat white. But it's absolutely beautiful and it gives something completely different for you to try that you may never have tried before. If you would like to get 10% off Black Cat Coffee, then head over to the website. It'll be, be in the show notes and put in code TRIATHLON10. That will get you 10% off the coffee. And I'd keep an eye on the site because every so often there's um, an option or an option on the site for a random single origin coffee. So that is one of the single origin coffees. What do we mean by that? That is a coffee that is not the kind of coffee that you would get in, say, Starbucks, which is a indiscriminate blend of something from South America, maybe relatively dark roasted. Single origin coffees are coffees that are are picked out by the fact that they're from one specific place or from one specific farm or, or very small region, and they have very particular flavours. They are lightly roasted to in order to enhance or hold on really to those flavors so the the option on black cat coffee to have this single origin is really fascinating and it's something i've used every time it's been there and it is because occasionally when you're roasting coffee you end up with um, batches that are left over that you may not have um, orders for so david puts them up as this essentially you choose the prices at the lowest price for a single origin so you may get something at essentially the low end of that price or you may get something really special for the same price but the reason I like it, and this is as well, today is quite exciting for me, is that David's actually sent me something that I have absolutely no idea what it is. And it's arriving today, uh, afternoon, hopefully this afternoon, by DHL. And I'll be able to try it and report back in the further podcast about what it is and what it tastes like. But um, I'm the kind of person that likes, when it comes to these things, a little bit of excitement sometimes. I always feel I'm on that kind of person that goes to restaurants and spends so long choosing over the menu because I don't want to get it wrong I don't want to you know I'm always that person that picks it and then the person next to them at the table uh, or normally my wife has picked something that maybe didn't sound as good but looks and tastes far better so I quite like the idea of not basically not allowing myself to choose not allowing myself to pour over the tasting notes to actually find one that I think is going to be the perfect palette for me I like to just experiment and and accept the the randomness and I've had some phenomenal coffees through that from David so have a look um, and keep an eye on that and when that does come up I highly recommend that you select it and get one of those coffees there are plenty of really interesting coffees on there at the moment ones that you can use for a nice filter in the morning through to ones that can give you a nice rich kind of um, dark roasted flavor um, in the morning or in an espresso or through a nice flat white so what is today's episode all about? Today's episode is focusing on the topic of polarization in running and why you you should do it or why you should consider doing it and why on the back of that it is inappropriate to try and run or essentially uh, 
put your run training around what an elite athlete would do. And I'm going to try and explain the difference. And I'm also going to go a little bit more into this idea of the fact that polarization in running is a very different thing to polarization in cycling. Or at least it's different in the way you can apply it and it's different in its importance. Because as I've said before, I'm not a fan of an approach. I'm not a fan of sticking to a certain type of intensity or a certain approach like polarized training. I think the problem with polarized training is that it gets viewed as polarization is correct, threshold training or sweet spot or tempo is wrong and you need to do this and unfortunately the proponents of polarized training have have emphasized that. I don't believe that they have as much balance as potentially they they might believe that they do. And I think they've tried to promote the fact that threshold training just wears you out, that you get it stuck in this thing called a grey zone, which really doesn't exist. It's all about using the right things at the right time. It's all about using the right tools in the right toolbox at just the right time to essentially remain specific to your event, but also to your unique physiology. So what is about polarisation and running and cycling that is different? The main difference is is that you're weight-bearing when you're running. And because of that, running is a completely different sport to cycling. Yes, they may be aerobic, and yes, they may rely on similar muscle groups, potentially even contracting in similar ways, and obviously they rely heavily on that aerobic side of things and the cardiovascular system. But the ability to use recoil, the ability to essentially reuse that energy but also using some of those muscles in different ways, even though it might be subtle, actually creates a very different set of conditions. So I'll explain. So when it comes to cycling, what we're doing is obviously we are held in position really, or we are sitting in position on a saddle, we are pushing down on the pedal with a relatively low force in a movement that is quite alien for our body at least, or for our kind of human body, we obviously didn't grow up to cycle. We are pedalling round essentially in a, a circular pattern, although actually pedalling in circles from that perspective is, is not correct. On the road, you'd be pedalling, I've always called it two more kind of two types of kind of L shapes really, in that you're pedalling a little bit over the top of the dead spot as you start to engage the, the big extensor muscles of the hips, the glutes, and then you're gonna push down hard. Essentially, professional cyclists just push down harder for more repetitions and for longer. And that's the key thing, is that we're not trying to pedal in a beautiful circle all around the pedal stroke, because that would be quite inefficient in terms of actually when we're on the road, but also we wouldn't be taking use of the fact that we have a lot of kinetic energy or inertia as we are riding along. So we are pushing down with a relatively low force over and over and over and over again, huge amounts of repetition of a low force. So it is a, a sport that is dominated by slow twitch and aerobic fibers and using oxygen that when we need it occasionally we have to have a burst you know short bursts of higher amounts of power very rapidly that requires us to use anaerobic fibers if we are sprinting we are going to be using that to the absolute maximum and to be a sprinter in triath um, sorry in cycling you are going to need a huge wealth of fast twitch fibers that can provide a ridiculous amount of force for a very short period of time and if you are in 
an element of cycling that requires repeated efforts. Like if you are a road cyclist, you're going to have to have a very nice distribution of mostly slow twitch in order to keep you in the race and keep that aerobic side of things high for the duration of the race. But at the same time, an ability to go much harder for short periods of time. And we discussed that a little bit when I, um, in, a, in an interview that I've done, which I haven't released yet, um, around what prime and about this reserve capacity that you've got when you go over your kind of functional threshold, which is the point at which we are going to become anaerobic relatively quickly. And you are going to use up your internal, um, both kind of the creatine phosphate system and then your internal muscular carbohydrate stores very very rapidly and you don't have much of those um, as opposed to your fat stores so that is kind of cycling in a nutshell and that is why my belief is that say polarized training which is then obviously focusing on the long easy stuff combined with the short hard stuff yes that is a tool and yes that is extremely effective in certain situations the high-end stuff can increase your aerobic capacity the long easy stuff can have this function of not only the kind of long fatigue of muscles but also upregulating lots of factors within the muscles, the genetics, the epigenetic factors, which mean that you reuse lactate better through things like MCT transporters and various other systems. So that is one method. But it also doesn't mean that, particularly if you are time-pressed, that the threshold kind of uh, sweet spot training is bad for you. And in fact, if anything, if you've got limited time, it could be extremely productive. But also, if you are doing a sport like time trialing or triathlon, where your race effort is a long, drawn-out um, tempo threshold effort potentially then it's important to do some of that training and you may even base your whole training around it as opposed to something like a road cyclist where yes polarized training may be more specific to what you actually do i.e long you know hours potentially at a very low intensity within riding in a group and then short bursts of effort that tend to dictate the end race result what about running though so why is running different well Running is different. Running is very different because as you land, you are requiring a significant amount of force to hold yourself upright, for, for starters. Someone actually asked um, via Twitter a very interesting question of if you're doing, as I said before, um, and I mentioned in the other running podcast, about doing these, these uh, short or even building up to longer but very slow runs where you are taking lots of steps doesn't that kind of overly train the slow twitch fibers and, and neglect other fibers and i don't think that's correct the reason it's not correct is because actually as you land in running however you are moving if you are running as opposed to walking you are going to be utilizing significant proportions of fast twitch fibers and you're going to be utilizing those in the fast twitch fibers or those that you actually require because they need to stabilize you as you are landing with huge amounts of body weight on one leg so if you think about that for a second think about what's actually going on now this just brings us very briefly to why um, the elderly or losing muscle mass and particularly fast twitch muscle mass is a problem in the elderly they, the issues they have aren't from the lack of slow twitch fibers. They're from the lack of fast twitch fibers. Because actually, for someone who is older, getting up out of a chair requires a significant proportion of fast twitch fibers. That kind of catching that you do when you are about to fall and that ability to stabilize yourself rapidly and shift your body weight and 
move your body around to stop yourself falling, that is predominantly based on fast twitch fibers, which is why the elderly have a problem with falls, because as they become less active, those fast twitch fibers are very much use it or lose it. Slow twitch fibers tend to stick around for a lot longer, um, and from that regard, but if you don't use your fast switch fibers, you lose them and you lose that ability to correct yourself. That is why part of the reason why doing things like weights, lifting weights, even if they're relatively small into older age is actually shown to be really beneficial because it enhances or it, sorry, it holds on to those uh, fast switch fibers that are so important to keep you safe when you are moving around as an older person, because unfortunately, this is something that my, my nan went through that I think I've mentioned that she was the very typical completely fit and well or relatively fit and well for her age of about 80 year olds looked looked after by my mum. Um, and I remember coming home once or I'd, I'd and apparently what had happened is that she'd just been helped mum had just been helping her into her ground floor flat and she tripped and fallen up a step hadn't been able to correct herself had fallen on her hip and unfortunately she had a broken neck of femur fracture which is very common in the elderly and unfortunately the end result was that she got pneumonia and unfortunately passed away that's a very common thing that happens in the elderly and it stems from the fall it stems from the fall combined with relatively weak bones so running is very different. It is landing, it is stabilizing, it is short bursts of energy. And it is heavily required or heavily um, focused on that recoil system. So what about polarized training? Why is it that polarized, why do I advocate polarized training for running so heavily in amateurs, but not necessarily for cyclists? Well, it's because you have to work on that recoil system. It is so important. And the benefits that you get from that recoil system are enhanced by doing volume of relatively slow running. Now, the reason it is that is the case is that it's not relatively slow running taking big bounding steps. It is slow running taking lots of short steps. Because the critical thing, as I've mentioned before, and if you go back and listen to the episode with Matt when I talk about this, is that as you land, you are creating huge amounts of forces. And what you want to do in order to increase that um, that recoilability is give a, a kind of lots and lots of, sl of small doses or the lots and lots of the smallest dose that you can kind of get away with, which is going to happen when you are running slower, taking shorter, smaller steps and not bounding and not putting a huge amount of effort in. But also you get this double win. So if you go out and you run fast with these big, long, steps and strides landing with a lot of force you are potentially overloading the system early and not able to generate an appropriate overload you might overload the system beyond what it can recover from or what it can repair from but also you don't get that that length of that kind of volume those those repeated efforts those repeated little stimuluses so what you're doing is going completely the opposite way you're, you're giving it a big load of stimulus all in one go that it can't handle now, if you take that run very, very slowly, same distance, but much more frequently stepping, you might incre you'll increase the stimulus because of those little, little um, inputs into that stimulus, but you also keep it at a level that is below that level of damage. So that's the critical um, rationale for doing polarizing in your running, i.e. running very, very slowly, gradually building up your volume. As I mentioned with Matt, I think the best way to build it up is with these short efforts of maybe a few minutes building up until you're at the point where you have such good integrity in the muscles and the tendons and the whole complex 
and you are stable and strong, that you can go out and run for 30, 40, 50 minutes, or maybe even a few hours if you get to that point. You can contrast that with doing something relatively intense that works more on the, the cardiovascular system, that gets the most out of that, but also potentially works as well on the muscles um, and their ability, your ability to generate this high amount of force that actually you do need when you run. High amounts of force for very short periods of time. For instance, in things like the hip flexor, a fast, quick knee drive is critical to good quality running because it's what keeps the pendulum short as you drive it through. If you have that languid, slow movement up of the knee as you're trying to slow everything down, actually what that causes, it causes the lower leg to drop prematurely and land often with a landing, often a heel strike in front of your centre of mass. So having that short, choppy um, knee movement is important. The best way to do that is doing short, sharp hills. So if you're going to design what I believe completely without any knowledge of how someone's running works, but particularly this time of year without races leading up and without a need for specific kind of threshold type training for say a half marathon, the best type of training you could do would be a contrast of very easy but gradually building up length of running, taking lots of steps, contrasting that with short, sharp hill repeats. The, ra the rationale from that is it puts a little bit more strain on the, the essentially that knee drive and the hip flexor if you do them the right way. You shouldn't be pushing down to the hill. You should be, this is why it's important to do short, sharp hills as opposed to long hills. Long hills, halfway up the hill and you're starting to fatigue, you'll start to push down, you'll start to try and push into the ground as opposed to driving the knee up. You want this kind of up, 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 up kind of thing going on. You want to try and drive those knees very rapidly, quickly as possible. It's like you're trying to pick the knee off, you know, the leg off the ground as opposed to pushing down into the ground. And you should be doing these that so that you're actually getting a little bit out of breath at the top of the hill, but not totally. If you live in Leeds, so this is a very big if, if you are listening, you live in Leeds, there are a set of hills called the Normans, which are located down on Kirkstall Road as you come down into Leeds just before you get to Kirkstall Leisure Centre. They are the perfect, absolutely perfect training tool for this. And you can do what's called the Normans Run, there's, I think there's seven or eight of them where you run up them and then back and up and back and kind of loop your way through and then you loop your way back through them again, if that makes sense. So I think what you would do is you go down across two on the bottom, up, across a little bit, down one, and you'll, you'll, you'll see what I mean. You get this looping across these, uh, these set of hills and there's about eight of them. And if you do it all, you do about 15 reps in total. Very short, sharp reps of probably less than about, they're probably less than 100 metres, if that. They're probably fifth, somewhere between 50 and 80 metres in length. Very short, very sharp, but you can use this knee drive to really essentially promote those hip flexors. Combining that with something like um, these kind of long, easier runs, but taking lots of steps, is a perfect contrast for how you improve those systems in your running particularly at this time of year. And that is why I'm a big fan of polarizing your running as opposed to your cycling, where I think you've got to consider things like training load and aerobic load and that side of things, along with factoring in training time. But as I say, these are two very different sports that are often clubbed together because they're both endurance and cardiovascular. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Just want a quick note again for our sponsors, um, Black Cat Coffee. Have a look at the website, use code triathlon10 
and let me know what you think. I think personally it's some of the best coffee that I've ever had and I roast my own stuff um, and I have tried coffee from a huge amount of different roasters and I've been very impressed with what I've got from Black Cat. If you spend over £25 you get free delivery which is always useful and use that code as well. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.